African swine fever can be devastating to a hog operation, but what about to a feed manufacturing facility? There's research being conducted at Kansas State University to evaluate the feed safety risk related to the feed manufacturing process and what can be done to mitigate that risk. Unfortunately, it isn't as simple as relying on the heat of the pellet mill to kill the virus or the removal of dust from the facility. And when it comes to chemical mitigation, formaldehyde is an effective treatment, but this important tool is under attack by EPA. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Sarah Muirhead. Thank you for joining us today. This episode is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website, unitedanh.com. To walk us through the work being done related to ASF and feed manufacturing is Kansas State University's Dr. Chad Polk. We caught up with Chad during this week's IPPE convention in Atlanta. So tell us, you're, you're investigating what a feed mill can do should ASF be found in that mill, how we can decontaminate the mill, how we can make sure that we're producing safe feed. And you're doing a study in this area. So give us an update on, on what you've been working on and, and where you're at in that process. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So we initially started working with ASF endemic countries, and we did a lot of surveillance sampling and noticed that we were actually finding positive samples uh, within the feed manufacturing system and also vehicles and people were moving this around. And so that led us to run this research project. If we did happen to end up with a positive within our feed manufacturing facility, how do you clean it up? Because feed mills weren't really designed to be clean like food systems. And so we looked at different procedures, uh, focusing on flushing procedures with chemical mitigants and then also decontamination procedures such as heating up facilities as well as uh, chlorine dioxide fumigation. So it's not enough just to clean that layer of dust off and call it a day, right? Nope, I don't think so. Um, we've seen so far our results are preliminary, but the chemical mitigation um, seems to have a much larger impact than just removing the organic material. Um, and we're also waiting on bioassay results to determine if our decon procedures actually influence the infectivity of that virus. So you mentioned um, chemical decontamination. Formaldehyde is one of the products that you've been looking at, and we all know that uh, EPA kind of has it out for formaldehyde and are trying to uh, take it off the market. So what, what are you finding and, and you know, what kind of implications do, would, might we have if we don't have that product to work with in situations like this? Yes, yeah, so the uh, formaldehyde, we actually chose to work with formaldehyde because of previous data. It really interacts with the RNA and the detection via PCR, and we reduce that or almost eliminate it in certain situations. And so we really wanted to test practical application, and so we knew we, formaldehyde would be a good product to test if we were getting contact with the virus with the formaldehyde. Um, the other interesting thing that we kind of focused on is actually using it as a flushing procedure. So it would be put at higher levels in one batch of feed, ran through the manufacturing system, and then discarded of versus putting it in every batch of feed. So you could almost argue we're actually using less of it, but as a cleanup step uh, than consistently using it through all the batches of feed. 
Well, and your, your study is looking at, I mean, you keep continuously kind of flushing, right? You, you would put something in and then you'd flush it out until you're getting to a process of, of no contamination. Have you gotten to that zero level when you're um, looking at, is the virus still there? Yeah, so at this point, we were still finding positive samples, um, but the CT values were very high, close to the cutoff value. Um, and so it's really hard to say if it was a false positive or not and the infectivity of those levels. Um, but we definitely have seen reductions, um, but still getting positives. And then kind of it leads to the question, too, of kind of what you just pointed out is, how often do we need to be flushing? Can you do it once a day, once a week? Do you need to do it between every batch of feed? Um, so we still have a lot left to learn. Well, now, doesn't that uh, that pellet mill take care of the, the virus? Doesn't it kill it? Well, so in past research with PED, we, the pellet mill did a great job of eliminating the virus from the feed. Um, in this experiment, we actually pelleted feed to 180 degrees Fahrenheit and we still found positive samples coming out of the pellet dice. So that is something that's concerning. Um, but once again, this was Seneca Valley virus. Um, it wasn't ASF, so still a lot of research in how it compares to ASF because they are two different viruses. Uh, they differ in envelope versus non-envelope. So um, how we interpret that data you know, still needs to be considered, but the fact that we found positive Seneca samples after pelleting is definitely eye-opening. Didn't want to put ASF in your facility there at Kansas State, huh? <laughs> Not in this facility, and we didn't want to move our feed mill to the facility where we can put ASF. <laughs> so next steps are to see where the, what comes out in the, the bioassays that are, that are being yeah. done, and what's kind of the time frame on those? Uh, so the bioassays, assuming we can source pigs that fit what we need, uh, will hopefully be conducted in February. And then um, so we hopefully we'll have, you know, some conclusions after that. Any resources that um, feed manufacturers can turn to at this point in time to, you know, get some information or just to make sure they're, you know, aware of what's going on with your research? Yes. Yeah, so we actually, our website is ksufeed.org. Um, we have multiple resources available, whether if you want to do, um, so we've talked about mitigation at this point, but we also believe strongly in prevention. So ways that you could implement biosecurity practices at your female to try to prevent it from getting contaminated. We have resources to help with that on our website. We also have resources to help with sampling. If you want to go in and sample your female to try to determine if it's contaminated um, and, and things of that nature. So will you look, I mean, you also, you took Seneca virus, but are you looking at other viruses as well then, like PED or anything like that, that, you know, just to run kind of through the same system? Yep. So in this trial, we did include PED and PERS and Seneca. Um, at this point, the Seneca um, is was much hardier. It survived in the feed better, and it's allowed us to make... Um, more clear conclusions on on what's going on um, in the the PED levels our concentrations we were able to add to the feed were actually a little bit lower and we started diluted out um, just from what's required to do this kind of research and what was actually possible to grow in the lab. Our thanks to Dr. Chad Polk of Kansas State University for his insights. To learn more about what's going on related to this topic and more, we invite you to visit our website. And while you're there, be sure to check out our digital editions. 
This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus was sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website at unitedanh.com. I'm Sarah Muirhead, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast channel, including Apple and Google Podcast. Until next time, have a great day, and thank you for listening.